This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. ahead and get into our uh, Sunday morning message today. Who's glad to be at church? You made the right choice today. I'll tell you that much. If you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers will give you one. Who appreciates the time change getting to fall back? Anybody? Anybody score that extra hour last night? It always throws me off a little bit. I don't know. I I stayed up all night looking for the sun. Then about six o'clock this morning, it dawned on me. Anyway. All right. So anyway, some of you will get that later, but that's why I don't tell jokes too often. They usually fall very flat. But uh, the title this morning is this. It's called Spoiler Alert. And uh, listen, how, if anybody in here, you're into sports or maybe a certain TV show and like you've been at church and, and you're recording the game, but you don't want anybody to tell you because you want to go home and see it for yourself. And, 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 you know, we call that a spoiler when somebody tells you what happened or, or maybe you've got like a TV show you like and, and you haven't got to see that episode yet and somebody tells you what happens. Well, there's no need in watching it now if you already know what happens. And so oftentimes on TV, they'll say, okay, there's a spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear the score, turn your head, put it on mute. And even at church, us guys, I don't know if you ladies knew this, us men have an unwritten rule. That we don't tell each other sports scores unless we're certain that man already knows the score. Right, guys? <laughs> All right. Just leave me hanging again anyway. So, uh, but it's called a spoiler alert. Now, and I was thinking about this, and when it comes to sports or your TV show, I don't want somebody to tell me the final outcome. I want to wait and see it for myself. But there have been times in my life when I have been in the middle of the battle. I've been in the heat of combat, so to speak, in life. And it would have been super great if somebody would have just told me the final outcome before I even got there. And so I've got super good news for us today. I've read the end of the book and I know the final outcome. Amen. I know the final outcome. And so I'm going to to tell it to you today. We're going to go over a few things and we're going to tell you how this whole thing ends. And if you don't want to hear it yet, close your ears. No, don't do that. Listen to the sermon. Listen to the sermon. You do not have permission to not listen. All right. So let's go ahead and open in prayer. And we're going to look at a few things today to show us what the final outcome is. And no matter what you're going through, listen, good things are in store for you if you'll do things God's way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for this wonderful, amazing, beautiful day that you've created. And God, we're so grateful that you've chosen us to be here on this day, Lord. And and you've let us live in the United States of America, the best country in the world. We're thankful for that, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that today we will open our hearts to your word. And your word will have free course, Lord. You said that your word, it never returns unto you void. And it always accomplishes everything that you send it forth to do. And so I'm asking you to speak to every single person here today, God, and show us what we need to do to be the man, be the woman that you've called us to be. And we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. And so the first thing I'm going to say today is this, is number one, I don't want to spoil it for you, but number one, we win. If we don't quit. If we don't quit, We're going to win this thing. And you're like, well, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't really, it doesn't matter what you're facing because God is greater than what you are facing. Listen, Jesus is not intimidated by your problems. Jesus is not afraid of your situation. He's, he's well able to handle your business. But the thing is, is you've got it. You can't quit. You've got to stick with it. And a whole lot of people, they just flat out, they quit, they give up, they lose hope, and then they wonder why nothing ever changes. Listen to me. You are going to win if you don't quit. Galatians 6 tells us that you will reap in due season if you faint not. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And now it sounds like a pretty bold statement to say, are you sure we're going to win? Are you sure? That sounds a little presumptuous. I Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm going to be more than presumptuous. 
I'm going to guarantee a victory for the people that won't give up, for the people that will apply the principles of the word of God, the people that will stick close to Jesus. I'll guarantee a victory. Why? Well, let me show you verses here. Let's let's go to the final book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 11. Let's check this out. Revelation chapter 11. Who's excited? Amen. A lot of you guys remember our great brother, Philip Gomez. One day we were having our church Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, no, no, it was around Christmas. No, no, it was after that. Anyway, it was a playoff game. It was an NFL playoff game, so it had to be January or something. Anyway, so we're having a dinner, and and my Colts were playing the, this uh, these losers, uh, the San Diego Chargers. Anyway, so um, they were down there, and they're... And, and, and so he comes up and he's like, man, uh, sorry about the game today. Heard you guys lost. And I was like, I didn't, what are you talking about? I haven't seen the game yet. Oh, you didn't see it yet? Uh, I mean, I'm just assuming, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know anything. Just go watch the game and, and just ignore what I said. I'm like, yeah, right. So I went home and yeah, they lost. I was like, thanks, Phil. You were, wasn't his fault. But Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That means they didn't love life so much that they were too afraid to die for Jesus. But it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This is the last book of the Bible right here. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That sounds like a very definite, concrete, bold statement right there. It says... They won. We win. They overcame him. Who's it talking about? It's talking about the devil. It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That sounds like a very bold thing to say. That doesn't that doesn't really leave any ands, ifs or buts about it. They overcame him. And you're sitting here today wondering, well, I don't know how this is going to turn out for me. Well, I know that Revelation 12, 11 says that they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You've got to get a hold of this. And, and I've, got a, I've got another one. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Because if that's not concrete enough for you, check out 2 Corinthians 2.14. And, and I love that the word of God, it's not afraid to, to guarantee things. It's not afraid to, to go out there and just say something so bold and, and so no, no doubt about it. Listen. You've got to get to that place in your faith where you say, I am going to win. And someone says, are you so sure about that? I am positive. I'm going to win. I'm going to overcome this situation. I'll guarantee you, I would stake my entire life on the fact that I am going to win and I'm going to be victorious in this situation. Well, I would never assume anything. Yeah? Well, look at this. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always... Causes us to triumph in Christ. Now, thanks be unto God that occasionally causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I think I feel like some people like that's their translation of the Bible. Like you never know. I mean, if it's his will, he could toss you a bone every now and then. But you never know. You just got to pray and hope for the best, brother. Listen, if if that's where you're at, not a lot's going to happen for you. It says, thanks be unto God, which. Which. Always causes us to triumph in Christ. It says always, every time, and always. I looked this up because I like to do deep word studies. Always means always. I mean, I know. It means every time. It means 100% of the time that I go up to bat with Jesus, I get a hit. Every single time I take a shot with Jesus, I sink it. Every single time that I do things His way, I always triumph. In Christ Jesus. Well, I know some people would say, well, there's been a lot of times that I didn't triumph. Well, guess what? There's been plenty of times I didn't triumph either. But guess what? Every single time I didn't triumph is because I was doing it my own way. I wasn't doing it in Christ Jesus. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Every single time that I have failed in this life, no doubt about it, I was not trusting in the Lord with all my heart. And there's a lot of those times I was leaning unto my own understanding. I was trying to figure life out on my own. And I gave up on that because I can't figure it out. 
there are things that happen that make absolutely no sense to me. And, and, and if I'm relying on me, if I'm relying on my intellect, if I'm relying on my understanding of the world, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to be all over the place because you will never comprehend all this stuff. You weren't made to. All you were made to do was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And so many people, I don't even know which way to go anymore. I don't know what to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Quit trying to direct your own path. Quit trying to be your own God. You stink at it. You're no good at it. I had to give that up, man. I was trying to do it my own way. I was trying to, to, to call the shots. I was trying to figure this thing out. And I just can't do it. No matter how smart you are, you could be a brain surgeon, but you will eventually run into a situation that is beyond your intelligence, beyond your money, beyond your strength, beyond your understanding. No matter who you are, you do not have all the answers. And until are big enough to just let go of it and say, I can't do this on my own. I need some help here. I need Jesus. Listen, that's when things will turn around for you. But you are going to win in this life if you won't quit. And if you'll do things God's way, the Bible puts some guarantees out there. It puts some guarantees out there. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I quote that verse about every morning. There's a lot of verses I quote just about every morning. I wake up and I don't know why. I'm just, I'm a morning person, man. I roll out of bed and I am just happy to be alive, man. I love the Lord and I get my Bible. I get the strongest cup of coffee that I can find. And me and Jesus, we have a meeting every single morning, man. And this is one of those verses. I thank you, Lord, that you always cause me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Today is going to be the best day of my life so far. Listen, man, you've got to you've got to look at things through the eyes of a champion. You've got to see your life. You've got to view it like you're a winner. Too many people, they're viewing this life like they just got out and they're laying on the mat looking up wondering what happened. You don't need to live your life like that. You are a son. You are a daughter of God Almighty. So uh, you don't get it. So we have to go here. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to go there, Robert. Listen, you are a child of God. Your dad, your dad made this whole thing, man. Your dad, Isaiah tells us his hand is so big, he can hold all the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand. The deepest part of the ocean is in the Pacific Ocean. The Mariana Trench is 39,000 feet deep, and that will sit right there in the palm of your dad's hand. Why on earth are you afraid? Why am I intimidated? Why am I going through this life acting like I'm getting punked around, acting like I'm getting picked on, like I'm letting the devil pick on me? And my dad created all this? My dad says he uses the mountains as, as, as stepping stones? Everest is 29,000 feet. That's nothing to him, man. He steps on it like it was a little pebble. And that's our heavenly father. And guess what? He likes me. He loves me. He's on my side. If God is for me, who can be against me? And so you have got to start looking at your situation like you're the champion, man. You've got to start looking at life like you're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You have got to change your outlook on life. If you are a pessimist, man, you're going to have a miserable life. You've got to see the opportunity. You've got to see every situation is just another opportunity to kill a giant. David didn't see a problem when he saw Goliath. He saw opportunity to kill the biggest problem that they'd ever seen. And he was like, sign me up. I want a piece of this. Let me go. I want to fight him. And everyone else said, I can't do this, man. He said, let me out there. Just don't hold me back. Let me go. That's because David was a champion. David was a manly man. David was a man that wasn't afraid of stepping up to the plate. And we have got to be like that if we're going to win in this life. And so we're talking about, listen, you're going to win this thing. You're going to win what you face if you don't quit. So let me show you another couple of guarantees. Romans chapter 8. Let's do this. Romans chapter 8. 
Now, Romans 8 is an excellent chapter for you to read. But there's a couple of key verses that really stick out to me here. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse uh, 28 and verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and verse 37. And so it says this, And we know that God causes everything, say everything, Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It says right here that God causes everything. That sounds like he always causes us to triumph in Christ. It says he causes everything to work together for our good. So, man, there could have been a situation that started out real bad, but God has a way of just knocking that whole mess out and causing it to, in the end, work out for your good. He causes everything to work out for our good. And then I want to show you verse 37. Verse 37. Now, in the, in the King James, verse 37 tells us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the New Living Translation says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Do you know what an overwhelming victory is? It's a butt kicking. Now, you don't say that in church, but I'm going to say that this morning. Now, I played, I played basketball and stuff in high school, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, we just loved to win, okay? And it was, it was cool to win by one point. And, and even if you're a fan, you know, you're, you're sitting on the sidelines. If you're on the sidelines, a close game is fun. But when you're on the playing field and you're on the court, an overwhelming victory is so much more fun. When you left no doubt about it who the better team was, when you left, nobody can doubt it and say, no. This team over here, they were the clear winners. And I like it that Jesus, the Bible tells us that despite all these things you're facing, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. And so that tells me again that if I'm going to live my life in Christ Jesus, I'm not just going to squeak by. I'm not just going to barely, oh, we survived that one. Thank God. We live to see another day, but I don't, it's not looking much better from here. No, it's not like that. When you're living your life in Christ Jesus, it says overwhelming victory. It says you are more than a conqueror. And I'd like, I mean, it'd be great to be a conqueror. You look back through civilization, history. I mean, Napoleon, there's some, there's some great conquerors, but the word of God says you're better than that. It says you are better than that. You are more than a conqueror because you're so cool. No, because of Christ Jesus. And so if you're in here today and you're facing the storm, man, you you are going through the fight. You are right in the middle of the battle right now. I'm trying to tell you the end result right here. I'm spoiling this whole thing for you. You are going to win and you're going to win really, really big if you won't quit. And if you will stick close to God, I absolutely love overwhelming victories. And, you know, I don't know a lot about warfare like a lot of you military guys do. We've got a lot of military guys here. But I do know this much. You don't win any battles that you quit in. You don't win any battles that you quit in. If you just get up and walk away in the middle of it, you don't. I mean, all the other guy has to do is just show up. You You forfeit. You lose by forfeit. And there is no way in this world that I'm going to let the devil beat me by forfeit just because I didn't want to show up, just because I didn't want to stick close to God, just because I didn't want to be at church, just because I didn't want to give God any time. That's not going to happen, man. That is not going to happen. If I was going to go down, which I'm not, I'd go down with a fight, but I'm not going down. I'm going over because of Christ Jesus. Amen. And so you may feel like, man, I've been knocked down. Well, the book of Proverbs says a righteous man may get knocked down seven times, but he just keeps getting right back up every single time. For the wicked, one punch takes them down and they're out for the count. I'm a righteous man. And you're like, well, that sounds like you're conceited. No, the Bible says that I'm righteous. It says I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're looking at a righteous guy right here. I'm looking at a crowd, a room full of righteous people, not because you're so good, because Jesus is so good. Amen. And so if I was counting on how good I was, I'd have gave up a long time ago. But thank God I'm not counting on me. I am counting on Jesus. And he says that I'm more than a conqueror. He says that I'm righteous. He says that I'm loved. He says that I am a son of God. And so when you get this outlook on life, it changes everything. But I like to look through history 
uh, people that faced difficulty but never quit. And so, Shaheem, I need your help. I'm going to have my, my brother Shaheem come up. I got, there we go. You got the stuff? All right. So he's helping me with a story I've got here. All right. So show him, show him what you got. Other side. There we go. All right. So what do we have here, people? Okay. What brand is it? Does anybody, you like Hershey's? In, okay. So I'm going to tell a story and whoever the best boys and girls are in each section, they're going to a Hershey bar. Shaheem's just going to toss it to you. It's going to kind of be like at a basketball game where you got to, whoever makes the most noise. Well, maybe, maybe not. Some of you are kind of weird anyway. So, but let me tell this story. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Milton Hershey was the guy that founded the Hershey chocolate company. And, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that old Hershey here, Milton, Milton, he dropped out of school in the fourth grade. He took an, an apprenticeship with a printer and the guy fired him. So he was fired from his first job, and then he became an apprentice to a candy maker in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so he studied the candy business for a few years. He tried three separate times to start a candy company in Chicago, New York, and Philadelphia, and failed three straight times. So he gets fired from his first job, and the next three things he does are complete failures. His business goes bankrupt, and he loses everything. But finally, he stumbled across a recipe to make caramel. And he, and he started making the best caramel that people had ever had out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So he had, he had a little company called the Lancaster Caramel Company. In 1900, he sold this company for $1 million. Now, in our day and age, that would be worth more around $30 million. So he had a nice little nest egg there, but that wasn't good enough. He went on and, and he acquired this recipe from the Swiss for milk chocolate. And he started making milk chocolate and selling it to the masses. And now these days, he's got the, the biggest chocolate company in the entire world. But we're talking about a guy here that had chance after chance to just quit and say, no, this I must, my, must not be my thing. The candy business must not be for me. But he wouldn't quit. He kept going on. And who in here is glad that Hershey didn't quit? Tell you, my gut's glad he didn't quit. I'll tell you that much right now. The kids at Halloween are glad he didn't quit. Amen. And so who wants some candy bars today? Woo! All right. Whatever you want to do, man. This is you. This is you. Oh, yeah. Middle section. Let's see those hands. Yeah. Oh, oh, new Shiva. Good job. All right. Good job. All right. See, you never know what's going to happen when you come to High Desert Word Center. You may get a candy bar thrown directly at you during the middle of the sermon. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I woke up this morning and I, I went over there to Food for Less and bought some candy bars because I love you guys so much. So, All right. So let, let's keep moving here. I, I want to tell you point number two. So number one is this, is that we win if we don't quit. But the key is you can't quit. You've got to stick with it. And number two is this. If you want to know the end result, okay, hold on to your seats. In the end, Jesus comes back and rescues us all. All right? In the end, if you read the end of the book, Jesus comes back and rescues us all anyway. So whatever it is you're facing, you're going to, it's not, it's all temporary. But let me show you something here in Matthew chapter 24. We don't do church quiet around here, folks. We got to. Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 30 through 31. And this is uh, the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is discussing with his disciples things that will take place in the end of time. Great chapter. You should read the whole thing. But Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. Check this out. It says, And then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Who thinks that sounds pretty awesome, man? Dude, I can't wait for that day. The day is coming, guaranteed, where we are going to see the Son of Man. We are going to see Jesus coming out of the clouds with great glory. 
glory. And then verse 31 says, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And this is what we refer to in Christianity as the rapture. This is going to happen. Yeah. I can't wait, man. This is going to happen, and I am excited. I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait to go. As much as I love my life on this earth, because I love life, that's going to be a billion times better. There is nothing that you have experienced in this world that can compare to two seconds in heaven. Nothing. And so I'm telling you right now, this is going to happen, and where Jesus is going to come down, man. You're going to hear that trumpet, and he's going to come and gather all of us. And we're going up there with him. This is what happens in the end. And I hate to spoil. I mean, maybe you didn't want to hear. This is the spoiler alert. Jesus comes back and rescues us out of this mess someday. It's going to happen. And I've heard a lot of people in our in our modern time even saying, well, you know, the, the rapture, that, that's just something that American Christians made up because they're, they're too weak and they, they like comfort. And, and the, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Really? Guess what, genius? The word Bible isn't in the Bible either. But I still believe it exists. I still believe it exists. Just because, if I'm being too harsh, I'm sorry guys, but forgive me. But I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm being real with you right here. Just because you don't find that word in the Bible doesn't mean it's non-existent. I believe in the Bible. I spend time with it every day. I I live my life. This is the most priceless thing that I own. You could offer me a check for one million dollars for this particular Bible and I would say no. I won't. I don't. There's no amount of money that you could give me that I would give my Bible away for. Nothing in this world would I give this Bible away for. It is the absolute most important thing that I own. But listen to me. I believe it's real because of because it's true. And even though this word rapture is not in the Bible itself, the the, the teaching is it's everywhere. OK, so we don't, we're not even going to go into all that today. But I do want to also explain this second Timothy chapter three. Just write this down. Second Timothy chapter three tells us that in the last days, difficult times will come. The King James says perilous times will come. And I, I don't know about you, man, but I think that we've got some difficult times on our hands here. Has anybody else seen that? Am I the only one? There's perilous times out there, man. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, man. People robbing each other. There's killing. There's racism. There's violence. There's all these awful things going on. And, And I'd like to say that it's a great big shocker to me, but it's not a shocker. The Bible told us in the last days, difficult times will come. It's going to happen. But the truth of the matter is this. People ask me sometimes, well, are you afraid? And I, I got to be honest, absolutely no. I'm not afraid. Why, why am I not afraid of all this? Well, I've read Psalm 91. Psalm 91 promises me that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. I've got a promise that if I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that no evil will overtake me. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so what does that word abide means? It means that you live there. I abide on Kelly Drive in Barstow. I live there. I'm there all the time. But listen, I also abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I live there, man. I don't leave that spot. And, and what does it mean to be under somebody's shadow? Well, I know this much. If you're going to be under my shadow, you've got to be pretty close to me. You're not going to be under my shadow, you know, if you're 300 yards out. You've got to stick up close to me to be under my shadow. And so what this verse is telling us, those who live close to God, abide under the shadow. Those who live, they're just staying right there, right up close to God. They've parked themselves there. They are living their lives close to God. No evil will overtake them. says no plague will come near their dwelling. They don't have anything to fear. 
They will just look and behold the reward of the wicked, Psalm 91 tells us. And I'm, I'm telling you this much. Listen, there's people that I'm afraid for in this world because no doubt about it, I've got relatives, I've got friends, I've got people that I love and care about that they are not abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. No, I mean, they're running from it. They're trying to get away from it. And yeah, absolutely, man. It's scary to think what would happen if something terrible happened in this world because they've got no guarantees. We know this. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed to anybody. In fact, I read a really interesting statistic yesterday. One out of every one person dies. Yeah, I know. And I'm not, I don't put a lot of stock in statistics, but one out of every one person will die. We all face it at some point or another, but for some people, they're not afraid of it. Why? Because they know where they're going. I know where I'm going, man. I'm looking forward to it. You can't scare, scare me with death. Are you kidding me? I'm not afraid of that. I'm going to heaven, dude. I mean, I don't want to die yet. I've got a family and kids and a you know, beautiful family here surrounding me. I don't need to go just yet, but I'm not afraid when that day comes. I'm going to go directly from here to the presence of Jesus. I'm going to be chilling with Jesus, with, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Paul, Peter, John. All, are you kidding me? You're trying to threaten me with that? that? Don't tempt me, man. That sounds beautiful right now. I can't wait to be in heaven. And so for a Christian, man, when you abide under the shadow of the Almighty, we don't have to be afraid of the things that are going on in this world. It says only with our eyes will we look and see what's happening to the wicked. And, you know, and, and, and I believe this stuff. I am fully convinced about the things that the word of God promises me when it says that I can have life and have life more abundantly. I believe that when it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Call me a fool, but I believe it. When it says I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, I am convinced that that means I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm convinced of it. You can't convince me otherwise because the word of God has proven itself true time and time and time again in my life. And most of you know my story, so I'm not going to go into all that. But when I had cancer, when I had leukemia and I was left for dead, the word of God said, by Jesus stripes, we are healed. My parents could have believed the bad report, but they chose to believe the word of God instead. Amen. So I didn't get carried out of that hospital in a casket. I got, I walked, I ran out of that place, man. I ran and danced out of that place because Jesus healed me. No doubt about it. Jesus came and healed me of leukemia. And, and I'm, I'm just, man, that just, that does something for you. I believe the word of God. I am convinced that it's true. I read this story about a missionary named John Patton. He was a missionary to a place that was called the New Hebrides Islands. And one night, there's a place with cannibals. One night, a bunch of the cannibals and natives surrounded his house with torches and swords and spears. And they were going to, I mean, they're there for dinner, man. They were going to, they were going to kill John Patton and his family. And, and, and it was going to be an ugly sight. Uh, but they started praying. The missionaries did. And all of a sudden, the group of people just disappear. I mean, they run back into the woods like they're afraid of something. Like, what? Well, Eventually, the missionary led the chief of the tribe to the Lord, and, and he became a Christian, and they all, they all received Jesus. So the missionary's talking to him about it one day. He said, that one night when you guys surrounded our house, why did you all just run off and leave? He's like, oh, it was your guards out there, man. There's a, a whole group of, about a hundred of your guards were out there and with swords drawn, and they, they, they were glowing and all this stuff. We just left. They looked scary. Who were those guys? I've never seen them again. And it dawned on it. That's the angels of God, man. That's the heavenly host. And it tells us that his angels were surround and protect us. Psalm 34 tells us that the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends those who fear him. The angels are real. And they surrounded and defended these guys. That Now, you may not see them. But just because I don't see it with these eyes doesn't mean it's not real. you got to learn that. I mean, you can't possibly become a Christian if you, if you have to see it to believe it, because faith is believing without seeing. So I read this other story about a missionary out to this remote tribe in Africa. And, and he, he worked at a little hospital, and he had to walk every couple of weeks. He'd have to walk, take a couple of day journey 
to the nearest actual town to get more medical supplies, and he'd have to camp halfway in between. Well, one day he sees uh, these guys having a fight, and so he breaks them up, and, and he treats one of the guys that had been beat up, and, and he, he goes a little ways, camps out overnight, comes back. Well, the next week he sees this guy in his town and he's like, hey, man, good to see you. Did you recover? And he said, I got to be honest with you. That whole thing was a setup. Our plan was to wait for you to camp that night. We're going to kill you and and take your money and your medicine and go sell it. We were going to kill you that night. And he said, well, why didn't you? He said, well, we were hiding in the bushes and we counted 26 armed guards around you with swords and it was we didn't have any weapons we ran we didn't know what to do and so he was telling the missionaries telling this story at his church which is in michigan he's telling this story and a guy in the crowd stands up and says hey whoa give me a second what day was that on did that happen and the missionary thought and said well i uh, i think it was and he recalled the date and the and the man in the church said i knew it i absolutely knew it and he said what are you talking about He said, well, that day I was getting ready to go play golf, and God told me right then to pray for you immediately that your life was in danger. And I called a bunch of men from this church, and we all got together and started praying for you. In fact, everybody that prayed with me that day, can you stand up? 26 men in the church stood up and said, we were praying for you that day. And guess what? The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalm 34. You can mark that down and take it to the bank that God is going to take care of us. I am not afraid of what's going on in this world. And he said, I am coming back for you. He said, if I go, I'll prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will receive you unto myself. Amen. Who's excited? Amen. So Jesus, he's going to rescue us out of this mess. But listen, if there was ever a day and age that I was going to try to live life on my own, it wouldn't be 2017. 18's not looking that good either. So I'm just telling you, (laughs) abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If there's ever been a time to stick close to God, this is the day and the hour and the age to give your life to Jesus and to stick with him and to make him Lord of your life. I'm not just saying that. I'm being real with you right now. This is the day and the hour to give your life to Jesus and to never look back because you absolutely need him. I want to show you Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Is anybody getting anything today? Amen. Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to look at a couple verses here in the Living Bible. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to check out verses 20 and 21. But I'm, I'm here to tell you today, this is good news. Everything that we're saying right now, this is good news. If you're in the middle of the storm, if you're in the middle of the fight, I'm telling you today that I read the end, I already saw the end of the game, and you were the one that won. Because you didn't quit. Because you hung in there, because you started doing things God's way and not doing it your own way anymore, you ended up winning that fight. Isn't that good news? Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, But our homeland is in heaven, where our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is, and we are looking forward to his return from there. Who else is looking forward to his return from the homeland? I am. When he comes back, not if he comes back, He may come back. No. When he comes back, he will take these dying bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same mighty power that he will use to conquer all else everywhere. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is this, is that this is not our home. The homeland is up there. The place where we truly belong. This is temporary this if you live to be a hundred years old that is absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things that's like two seconds in the grand scheme of things the bible says peter wrote that a day is a thousand years is like a day to the lord so our concept of time god's concept are two totally different things but i know this much right here check it out that this is all temporary and we, and you know, we're, we're warned in the word to not put all of our focus on things that are temporary because the things that are temporary, they change. 
This world changes, you change, the people around you change, but heaven doesn't change. They've never made, they've never had to do construction up there, renovations, remodeling. They don't know how to change anything, raise taxes. I mean, who's thankful for the new 12 cents? I'm kidding. I'm sorry. sorry. But anyway, but all this stuff, listen, heaven doesn't change. It doesn't change. And everything in this world, no matter what it is you're facing, it's only temporary. Now, God's will is for you to conquer that thing, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a a relationship, whatever. God's will is for you to conquer that thing right here in this world and live out your days victoriously. But worst case scenario, it's only temporary and you're going to heaven someday, man. You're going to heaven someday. But it tells us right here that our homeland is not in this world. Our homeland is heaven and eternity lasts forever. Eternity lasts forever. People last forever. You're like, no, they don't. They, they, you know, 75, 80 years and they're gone. Their body lasts 75, 80, maybe 100 years. But people are eternal beings. They were created in the image of God. They're spirits. And somebody that died and went to heaven in 1850, still there. Somebody that died and went to hell in 1450, still there. Somebody that died last week, they're still where they went. I don't, you know, but it's eternal and it doesn't change. And, and it's hard for our minds to comprehend that, 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 you know, somebody that we love that passed away, that they're in heaven, that they, there's going to be there a million years from now. They're still there because everything in this world is temporary, but heaven is eternal. And that's why people are so valuable to God. Because all the other stuff he created, trees and mountains, animals, beautiful landscapes, the ocean, it's all temporary. It may have been around a long time, but it will not be around forever. The people that he created, those spirits, those souls, they're going to be around forever. People are more valuable to God than anything in this world. They're more important, they're more precious, they're more beautiful than anything else that God created. Because they're going to be around forever. None of the other stuff will. You will not cease to exist when this body dies. You will continue on for the next billion years, and even after that, you will still be in existence. But there's two options of where you'll exist, right? I mean, heaven or hell. That's the way it is. And so let me show you this, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Let's go. Who's having fun today? Come on. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first couple verses here. Check this out. I'll read this in the Living Bible also. The Apostle Paul says, Since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ arose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven, where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. It says right here, to set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven. Too many of us are focused on all the problems of this world. When he says, man, set your sights on heaven, the joys of heaven. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Oh, this is good. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. This is not the real life. And I know and that's hard for you to believe. This is not as good as it gets. This is not the final thing. This is not the realest thing that there is. It's all temporary. Our real life is in heaven with God. So you should have as much desire for this world as a dead person does, man. It's, it's, it's dead to me. I don't, I don't need all their stuff. I don't need all, the things that people fight and kill for in this world. I don't need it. I've got heaven. And one of these days, man... I'm going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever. You can't get me out of there. I am going to be there and I'm going to and I'm taking as many people with me as I can take because God is good and he wants them there within the past. Well, the past week prior to yesterday, 32 people through this church had received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in a seven day period. And then yesterday, another one at our men's meeting, another one of our young men received Jesus into his life as Lord and Savior. And so 
I'd say 33 people in eight days. I'm pretty happy for, you know, for a church right here. All right. But that makes me so excited because of number three, we get to live in heaven forever. These people, some in this room that have received Jesus in the last eight days, listen to me. They're going to be in heaven with us forever and ever and ever. A million years from now, we're going to be partying up there. We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to be worshiping Jesus together. It's never going to end. On Wednesday night, I was getting ready to leave. I was talking to my brother and, and a, one of the, a young lady that's been coming for a while. She, she, I could tell she wanted to talk to me and I was kind of in a hurry to go get my kids, but I was like, well, no, I need to go see what she wants. So I talked to her and she says, Hey, can you explain a couple things to me? And I'm like, sure. What's, you know, what's up? She said, what's this born again stuff? I've been reading about being born again. I want to be born again. Can you tell me how to do that? And I'm like, cha-ching. This is like, this will be the easiest fishing trip of my life. This is, Oh my gosh, the fish just jumped in the boat. So, so yeah, man, me and Norma, I don't know if Norma's in the nursery, but Norma's around here somewhere. So I was like, Norma was walking by. I'm like, let's pray with her, man. So Norma and I led her in a prayer of salvation and the joy that overtook this girl's face. She just had the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life, ear to ear. She said, I feel so at peace right now. I feel so good. And so, I mean, I just took her around the church like, hey, everybody. I won't say her name right now, but I said, hey, she just she's part of the family now. She just received Jesus. And people were hugging her. And I said, you're one of us now. You are one of us. You're in our family now. You're related to us. And people were hugging her. She was so excited and happy. And listen, she just changed from death Unto life. She just settled her eternal destiny forever. Whenever the time comes for her to leave this life, whether she dies, whether she goes when Jesus takes her in the rapture, she's going to heaven and she knows it. She's convinced of it. And that's the most beautiful thing that there is in this world. And so, I mean, with, with the amazing things God's been doing the last couple of weeks at this church, a lot of us have been walking around with a skip in our step, man. We've been dancing all over the 13 acres here. We've been having a good time. Amen. God is good. And he is doing, he, God is having his way right now. Second Corinthians 4.18. Let's close this out. Second Corinthians 4.18. Because we get to live in heaven forever. And by forever, I mean forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and for eternity. We are going to live in heaven. Second Corinthians 4.18. Second Corinthians 4.18. Oh, man, this is a good one. Do you highlight in your Bible? All right, get your highlighter out. Good. All right, and and some of you already highlighted it. But if not, man, get it out. Get your cute little red pen out and put a star beside this one. You're going to need this one later. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Ever. It says, I mean, that's an oxymoron. It almost sounds like it doesn't make sense. How do you fix your gaze on something you can't see? You got to do it by faith. And Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so by faith, you set your sights, you fix your gaze on the things you can't see. It may look right now like you are going to lose. It may look right now like this situation is going to end in disaster for you. Like you're going to lose your job, your health, your marriage, your kids, your peace, your joy. It may look like you're going to lose it all right now. But don't look at that. You've got to walk by faith, not by sight. You've got to fix your gaze on the things that are not seen. You've got to fix your things on the gaze that are not seen. Because the things you see right here are temporary, but the victory is eternal and it's going to last forever. And Jesus is coming back. He's going to take us to heaven and we are going to live in heaven forever. And so I want to show you, if you're already in 2 Corinthians, why not just look at chapter 12? Let's just do it. You're already there. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. The Apostle Paul had a vision or at least an experience where he was taken to heaven before he died. And, and God showed him some things. But, but, and I, I shared this very recently, a few weeks ago. But, but I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. And Paul writes about it. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven about 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know 
that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. He says, I went to heaven and, and, and he said, the things that I saw, the things I heard and experienced were so wonderful, they can't even be put into words. They're things that no human is even allowed to tell. And so this piques my curiosity. I'm like, well, what did he see? What did he see that was so great he can't even explain it? And, I, and I, you know, I've read other accounts and there's other parts of the Bible that give us little glimpses of heaven. But I'm telling you, man, I, I want to know. I want to find out. And the best that we can do, the Bible tells us some about heaven. And so I want to take you on a quick walk According to the book of Revelation, just a few things about heaven. We looked at this just a few months ago about about heaven. But but turn to Revelation 22. I'm going to show you just a few things because this is the spoiler alert. I'm getting ready to tell you about your future home. Who wants to who wants to have a tour of your future home? I want to find out about this place. I mean, I I don't want to wait. I, I got to wait, but but I want to find out. And so. Let's just read the end of the book here. Just read the whole end of the book and see what it tells us about our future home. And when you get a revelation of where you're going, it's really hard to be depressed. When I got a revelation of heaven and I realized that everything on this earth is extremely temporary and that's eternal, it's hard to be depressed, man. It's, it's just hard to have a bad day when you have your sights set on heaven. I mean, someone can do something mean and you're like, it's temporary. I don't care. You know, steal my parking spot. See if I care. It's temporary. You know, go ahead. Slap this. I'll turn the other cheek. It's all temporary. And I'm going to live in heaven forever. There's not a lot you can do to throw my day off anymore. There's not a whole lot you can do to depress me. Because I realize how temporary, momentary, how brief this life is. And I'm going to live in heaven forever? Man, that's good news. But... Let's just read a few things about our future home, our, our, the future city that we shall move to. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Apostle John writes about this. He said that the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. That's incredible. I mean, if you don't know much about agriculture and farming, a pear tree grows one type of fruit. Apple trees only grow apples. But these trees of life in heaven, it grows a new crop every single month, man. A fresh fruit every month of the year, there's a fresh new thing on it. Can you imagine that? No wonder Paul said, I saw, I heard, I experienced things. I can't even explain to you guys. I can't even, exp- I can't imagine a tree that grows 12 different types of fruit, a new fruit every single month. That's crazy. But look at this. It says, these, the leaves of the tree were used for medicine to heal the nations. And so this river of life flows right down Main Street heaven. And on each side is these beautiful trees of life. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the tree of life and the river of God flowing out of heaven. The second thing I'll tell you, I'm moving quick, is that heaven, according to the revelation, it's a big place. It's a big place because I've heard people, well, let's do the math here. If, if, if this many people get said, how could we all possibly fit up there? It's a heavenly city. You'll fit. You'll fit. God thought this thing through. All right. So let's look at chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Well, well, this is the spoiler alert, man. We're telling you about your future home, the city where you're going to live someday. Revelation 21, verses 15 through 17. Again, the apostle John, he's getting this vision here. He says, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. 1,400 miles in each direction. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. According to the human standard used by the angel. Can you imagine a wall? I mean, what, I don't know what these walls are, 12 inches, I don't know. But 216 feet thick? 
That's big. That's thick. And it says 1,400 miles in each direction. It's, a, it's 1,400 miles wide, long, tall. Think about this. Wrap your brain around this. The average commercial airline flies seven, maybe eight miles in the air. Heaven from floor to ceiling is 1,400 miles. It's a big place. And I mean, again, we, we can't possibly understand it all. I don't know. You know. It says, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. He's got all these man. I mean, does he stack them? Does he roll them? I have no idea, man. All I know is I believe they're there and we're going to see them and we're going to live there someday. But my brain can't comprehend it all. All I know is this. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, man. I, I, I got to think about it. I got to focus on it. And if all I do is focus on the trials and troubles of this world, I'm going to be a depressed mess. Don't do that to yourself, man. Think about the joys of heaven. And when you begin to think about the joys of heaven, you don't keep it to yourself. You go tell other people about Jesus because you want them to go there, too. You tell other people about Jesus when heaven is real to you. And if you're just one of those, well, yeah, I mean, we're promised heaven. I get it, but I don't know. I'm stuck in this place right now. If that's your attitude, I can guarantee you, you don't do a lot of witnessing, do you? You probably never tell any. You're probably the type that's afraid to pray for your lunch at work. I said it. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So we've got to get, when heaven is real to you, when God and the angels and heaven and hell are real, you're not embarrassed anymore. You tell people about Jesus. You're not too embarrassed to pray for sick people at the store. You're not too embarrassed to tell people that, that, that Jesus is coming soon. You're not too embarrassed to pray for your lunch or to stop in the middle of your day and say, Thank you, Jesus. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. One time, I ran out of gas in Victorville. Uh, I was down there on uh, getting off on the Squally Road. This is this is last August. Anyway, so I, I run out of gas and my kid's school is like a half a mile away and I don't like to be late. And so I'm like, kids, grab your backpacks. We are going to book it. We've got 10 minutes. Go. And so the boys are like, Daddy, no. so we're running and I mean, we're clearing cars and dodging them like doing spin move. And so I get them to the school. So I'm walking back. It's August. It is hot. And, and I see the car. And then I see a nice uh, San Bernardino County Sheriff pulled up right behind me. And that, that, the Victorville police. And the, the lights are flashing. And the nice, nice lady, she's like, um, you okay? I said, yeah, I kind of broke, ran out of gas in the middle of this busy intersection on the way to everybody, everyone's way to work. So w- someone helped me push her to the side. But we're standing there. And she's like, well, I'll just wait till AAA gets here because I had called them. And she's like, I'll go wait in the car, though. I mean, it's like 114 degrees. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. She said, do you want to wait? I said, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'll just wait. They'll be here any minute. So I kept getting ETA updates on my phone. And, and, and it was taking AAA forever. I was hot, sweaty, and I was out of gas. I was not happy. And so I decided, you know what? Here's the time, Lord. I'm just, I'm just, I could be sitting here playing on my phone. I could be complaining about the heat. Or I could be praising Jesus right about now. And so I just started walking around. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. You always cause me to triumph in Christ Jesus. You are good forever and ever. I'm going to go to heaven. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to kind of get into it. And then I noticed, like, the officer's kind of standing outside of her car, lights flashing. And then there's this guy walking around like this. And, I, and, I, and cars are slowing down like, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to slow traffic down and I'm thinking, OK, well, you know, I'll keep the praise to myself. But but at the same time, listen, you've got to know that you've got to praise God because you're going to heaven someday. Amen. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be. Why would you be embarrassed that you're going to heaven and they're not? I mean, let's just get real. Someone that's making fun of you. I'm not embarrassed that I'm going to heaven. I'm not embarrassed that Jesus healed me of cancer. I'm not embarrassed that Jesus saved my marriage, blessed my kids, that Jesus brought me through the trial and the storm. There's nothing embarrassing about that. Don't be embarrassed about Jesus, that he spared your life. He said that a thousand could fall at your left hand and ten thousand at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Why is that embarrassing? That's something to be proud of. 
That's something to be thankful for. You need to learn to start giving Jesus some praise in public. You need to learn to start giving Jesus his glory any time that it's required. All right. So really quick here, man, I'm rambling. Look at the gold. There's gold in heaven. There is gold in heaven. Look at verses 18 and 21. John said the wall was made of jasper. The city was pure gold as clear as glass. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from one single pearl. That is a big pearl. I mean, 1,400 miles, that's a big pearl. Each gate is made of one, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. This is heaven. It is pure gold. And so if you don't like gold, and if you think God's, you know, called you to, you know, a, a poor, humble existence, then you're probably really not going to like heaven. He put a lot of gold up there. He filled the whole place with gold and pearls and jasper and diamonds, so you may not like it, but... The last thing is this, Revelation 21, verse 4. This is one of my favorite Bible verses because I see people going through the struggle. I get it. I I mean, I I see people dealing with stuff in life. I see tears. I see pain. I see sorrow and crying. I see it every day. I'm not, you know, I'm not immune to that. I see that. And yeah, thank God for the promises that we have. But I know this much that it's all temporary. Verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. All pain, all sorrow, all, all tears, they're gone forever. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. That day's coming. And, 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 and I want everybody to go there. And, and I gotta tell you, this isn't just some place we're gonna go vacation in. This is gonna be our eternal existence with Jesus. You're not moving there for a couple years. It's it. That's the final chapter. That is it. You are gonna be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. It's what the end of the book says. And so you're in here today wondering about what you're gonna do tomorrow, what, what you're gonna do next week, what the bills are coming due. Listen, we get all that. You gotta deal with life. You, 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 you gotta, you gotta take care of it. But, it's all temporary. This is the eternal thing. And I'm encouraging you today that you are gonna win. You are more than a conqueror. Overwhelming victory is yours through Christ Jesus. Quit trying to do it in your own strength in your own intelligence, in your own way. Quit doing that, man. Give it over to him and watch what he can do in your life. He wants you to win and he wants you to win big, but you got to do it his way. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.